0: Welcome to Sunday Afternoon Mama, a podcast designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to the best mama you can be. Are you ready to jump in? Today, we're privileged to talk with my husband and guest, Jonathan. In this episode, we'll wrap up our discussion of Tuscan inspiration for our lives and homes, hear about an epic racing tradition, and discover how a simple pancake brunch helped us savor our Saturday. This is episode 52. Here we go. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for being with me again today, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in this week.
1: Thank you so much for having me again.
0: So, I thought I'd give a little bit more of an introduction, because I think in the past I've just said, this is my husband, and here he is on the podcast. So my husband um, has a lot of interests and talents and I just thought I'd highlight some of them for you and I hope he doesn't mind. <laughs> um, so he works in finance and he is an incredible father to our three kids. He is an avid runner. He has run many marathons, which blows my mind. I think the farthest I've ever managed to run is maybe three miles when I was you know, really working up up to it. <laughs> And there's this great local running group and sometimes my husband will run with them and they, they go really early. How early? 4.45. 4.45. And they're just like, yeah, let's go running. And they go up hills and, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, <laughs> that does not sound fun to me at all. But anyways, and as you probably have gathered this uh, before, but Jonathan loves to travel and has traveled and lived extensively in parts of Europe and all around the world. So, And he also absolutely loves Americanos and he helped convinced me that black coffee is a good thing and that i need to try it so i've actually transitioned to having that in the mornings with him instead of dumping tons of other things like cream and sugar <laughs> into it which is kind of a big deal for me but anyways does that kind of sum up some of the things you're interested in that you like
1: pretty much nails it okay you can
0: oh and ski- i didn't say skiing of course
1: yeah that's a big miss okay <laughs> love winter sports
0: okay <laughs> and the mountains <gasps> Okay, well, now Halloween is tomorrow, and I thought it would be fun to ask you really quick what you dressed up as when you were little, like one costume that stands out in your memory.
1: There's a couple that stand out. Okay. We didn't have elaborate costumes Mm -hmm. when I was young. It was kind of what we had. Okay. Who made the best? (laughs) We did have this Oscar the Grouch. Oh, you did? (laughs) um, Yeah, you're kind of in this plastic trash can type of thing, that that lasted for years and years. (laughs) And there was also, um, a, I believe it was a borrowed costume, but it was a pink elephant. And this was like <laughs> middle school era when you actually are starting to care. Am I, Don't
0: tell me you wore that.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was what I had. It was what was available. I thought it looked cool when I tried it on, right? You know, when you're sixth or seventh grade, of course you have high style and you try oh it on Christ. and you're like, oh, this works and it's nice and warm. And then you go inside to the whatever harvest oh party you're at goodness. and you're People sweating just like crazy and <laughs> People are like, "Oh, nice elephant costume!" And you you got a trunk hanging down to your waist, and your neck's getting tired from holding (laughs) up the weight of it.
0: I can't even breathe. (laughs) How did you? So you thought that was a good idea?
1: (laughs) It was probably the only available option, which, (laughs) in my middle school mind, was the best available option. We didn't quite have the super Walmart back in that era.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I'm picturing on that movie, and I know you don't love this movie as much as I do, but a Christmas story where Ralphie comes down in the costume that his aunt so-and-so gave him. And it's I think it's a pink bunny, so that reminds me of that. And he, everyone's like laughing hysterically. And he's like, oh, why do I have to wear this? But you seem like you actually didn't mind at first.
1: I don't think I realized <laughs> how it was going to end up.
0: <laughs> I don't remember a ton of costumes that I had over the years, except one year I do remember I dressed up like a fisherman. Like I think I was grade school and my dad's like, here, borrow one of my big flannel shirts and a hat and I had a fishing pole and um, that was awesome because it was the 80s. So I had 80s hair, like the short bangs and it was great. (laughs) You're shaking your head. (laughs) You were an elephant. (laughs) I'm seeing
1: the 80s haircut. That's why I'm shaking my head. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but pink elephant, come on.
1: (laughs) At least I had a good haircut. Oh,
0: man. Okay, well, before we dive into this week's topic, I thought I'd read you a recent review of the podcast and just want to say again, thank you to everyone who is doing that. It's so encouraging. So Mama K11 said, she does an amazing job of bringing joy and love into a wonderful and challenging time of mothering. Great words of advice based on the gospel with a loving heart. She brings in real life situations, actual research-based information, and so much more. This is a great pick-me-up for mamas. Oh, so thank you. That's just so encouraging for me to read that. I really appreciate that review. So continuing on with our monthly theme of home and making our homes the place we want them to be with careful thought and intentionality, being inspired by other cultures we've already drawn from French and Tuscan inspiration today... We're going to continue in exploring The Wisdom of Tuscany, the book that has been a major source of encouragement to me in learning how to bring that simplicity and the good life. Making the Tuscan lifestyle your own is even kind of the subtitle of this book.
1: I can chip in right there, too, I think. Oh, sure. Having lived never in Tuscany, but in multiple parts of Europe. There's a lot of interesting things about um, cultures that are different than our own. It doesn't even have to be foreign culture. If you spent time in the deep south Mm -hmm. versus the northwest versus the northeast, you'd get that. But each culture has things that are not good, not bad, just different. Yeah. So as you look at different things, it's sometimes easy to see the beauty um, of other things. And if you look at Tuscany, hillsides and the beautiful vineyards and the different, the manor houses and maybe some of the villages it's beautiful and it's it's easy to draw um, a really pretty comparison and paint a picture of that the leisurely lifestyle however when you're looking at bringing Tuscany home or bringing France home you're looking at what things are really really great or maybe this is different but it could really make a positive change in my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looking outside of your own view mm-hmm. can really give you an opportunity to review what you're actually doing. You don't have to go there. You never have to go there. I would recommend that if you get the opportunity, it's a beautiful place. But to bring that back home is to really, how can I better my own thing? And hopefully we can paint a word picture for you that brings something to mind and you can take away something fun out of it. But wanted to start with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I like that perspective. And Last week, it was just me and I talked about time, quality of things, health, and food. And just in The Wisdom of Tuscany, that wonderful book, the author talks about how these topics are viewed and these subjects are viewed in that Tuscan culture because he spent so much of his life there. And it's so in, it's so interesting to consider how different cultures view time. I mean, it's just radically different Like if you go to different places around the world. So again, it's just really... Thought-provoking to consider maybe there is a different way that I could implement, you know, thinking about this, designing my days and prioritizing things and saying yes and no to things, you know. And then quality of things, we mainly talked about the concept of buying quality over quantity and then health and food. And I'm going to actually dive in a tiny bit more to that before we really get going because I didn't go super deep. So I thought Jonathan could help me with that in a minute. So the three main tips from last week included choose to live life at a more leisurely pace, take one thing off your plate this week and resist the pull of consumerism. Now, I mean, these things are tall orders. Like, this is not an easy thing that you can just automatically just implement right away. It's things to think about, consider, and then make a change or try something. So I was going to elaborate a little more on the taking one thing off your plate idea. So for example, we had a soccer game for our youngest daughter um, recently on a Saturday. And um, instead of kind of making the Saturday too much of a whirlwind with the soccer game and loading it up with a bunch of other things too, we were like, okay. I mean, I had a to-do list that was way too long, which is typical of me. Honestly. None of it. <laughs> Very typical, sadly, of me. I have to work on that. But so we were like, how can we enjoy this Saturday in a leisurely way and not overwhelm ourselves or our kids? A lot of it comes down to our attitude as parents. So what we did was we had my dad over for pancakes after the game. So this was so great because my dad had made the trip to come visit and you know, and just instead of being like, oh, it's great. You came bye bye, and just like making this big thing that was fast and quick at the end, he was able to come over to our home. We slowed everything down and we just enjoyed leisurely cups of coffee and a lovely brunch of pancakes and eggs. It was really simple, but it was delicious. And it was so, so good. Just such a rich time with, with my dad. And so it, you know, it can be done to just really, enjoy life at a leisurely pace it's those little choices that end up adding up to like a huge change in how you feel and how the atmosphere of your home and the pace of your life feels does that make sense
1: yeah it wasn't a huge amount of time either
0: right it wasn't like four hours of, of brunch it was the, know,
1: fr- the French brunch. the
0: French way yes <laughs> so I don't know any thoughts on that
1: no I think it's little things like spending an hour with you know my father and law your father um, can really feed into him in his life and letting him hang out with the kids instead of, oh, we need to rush on to this and that. There are things to do, um, things I still haven't done that I'll try and take on this Saturday. And that's okay. You yeah. Know, it's life's not going to end. Yeah. Because I didn't, you know, get the bunk beds built or <laughs> get yeah. the project B or C or D. And
0: I think we said last time you and I chatted together on the podcast was there will always be another project at your house. Right? Mm-hmm. There's just endless things, so we have to pace ourselves. There's endless projects, yeah. and there's
1: 18 summers yeah. if you want to go back to an old yeah. ad campaign, and you know our oldest is down to less than 12.
0: Yeah, which is really crazy to think oh, yeah. about. Yeah, That is limited. Yeah. I thought before we talk about the three main things we're going to really dive into today, we could touch on the health topic a little more from last week, because I didn't go into it as much as I kind of wanted to, so... I just wanted to hear your perspective about like some tips that people could um, consider in the area of you know our health and thinking about a couple things. These were the things that came to mind: convenience stores, drive-throughs, all of that versus gardens, farms, or going to a local market or local store. And then I also thought we could highlight just the Mediterranean diet for a minute and the walking everywhere gardening at home, growing our own food, and keeping active at home, like doing more vigorous chores and taking good care of our home and property can be quite the workout. So any thoughts to add about that? Those are my other tips I thought I'd throw in there from last week about health because I just, I think that Mediterranean, they, they, it talks about the Mediterranean diet has olive oil and fish and legumes and vegetables, fruit, chicken, fish, and pasta. So anyways, So eating and walking and gardening and and just being active. Any more thoughts on that?
1: Each of those are choices. And you can choose to be better at each of those Mm -hmm. at any time. Yeah. So you can choose today, I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to start a garden. Now you need to start the garden in season, but you can choose today so you can prepare for it.
0: As we failed to this year. (laughs) Yeah, we put it in late and it grew (laughs) and never produced.
1: The poor girls did not get excited about their leafy plants with no fruit.
0: Yeah, that was was sad. But yes, continue. Next year.
1: Next year. Um but you know, it is it is a decision that people have to make. I'm gonna eat healthier, I'm gonna walk more. You just have to get out and do it. Getting up to run at four fifteen in the morning, especially if you got to bed say at eleven PM the night before. is not uh, fun prospect and a lot of times you know we get out and it'll be a 10 or 11 miler he'll run half the time tempo Tuesday so it's always at some sort of pace Ugh. and it's usually a pretty fast pace
0: sounds even worse <laughs>
1: and somehow I'm the slow guy in the group <laughs> which Not, is
0: shocking it's, it doesn't <laughs> Jonathan's shock me quite, well Jonathan's no. fast super fast to no,
1: me. no no
0: I mean but there is a lot faster I, I try yeah um,
1: and I'm inspired by other people that that succeed so much more naturally than i do oh but more realistically other than you know getting up and running making the choice to do that uh, making the decision to walk a little more maybe it's around the block maybe it's half a block the yeah. first time um i remember when one trip you know and again it's easier to see some of these things when you're out of your comfort zone one yes. trip when Hannah and i were in san moritz in switzerland in the snow yeah there were many 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 people walking it was probably 35 maybe 30 degrees it was probably below freezing yeah and there were these young moms out pushing their babies in their their strollers i think they call them buggies uh and the babies are bundled in this kind of sleeping bag type of thing that they all have for it that they zip up Mm-hmm. they're just out walking because it's what they do yeah um you know and, and that's a choice and it's cultural for them so they're probably making it subconsciously but we could consciously choose to do that yeah um, growing your own food, like you mentioned, is a great choice. Um, our diet is a choice; it is a difficult choice to change. It really it is. It is an ingrained yeah. habit, and yeah. to really eat healthy can be difficult. You know, we chose to spend a little more money on the CSA boxes. We chose to go with a little bit more expensive CSA boxes this year, which is more more than you would spend at a normal grocery store on the vegetables that you do want, as opposed to whatever they choose to put in with you. But it's forced us to. Figure out a what is this and yeah. b how do we cook it and eat it. <laughs> oh, and it's C, a golden beet. How, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> how can we get through this volume of food? We have I laminated a how to store vegetables thing and yeah. there's this huge list of what to how do you store this and where does this go in the fridge? Does it I go in a dark cupboard? I was doing
0: wrong. I did so many things wrong, even potatoes. Yeah. No potatoes. Yeah. Anyways. Especially <laughs> potatoes, especially sweet potatoes. Yeah. The
1: yeah. yeah the skin gets hard and doesn't eat as well if you put it in the fridge. So yeah that's a no-no.
0: Well, and back to the Blue Zones book that I love to reference too, a lot of the pe- the regions where people live a long time, it has to do with that walking everywhere and keeping active even well into their um, old age. And then also just that the diet that they have, the food that they're consuming and their attitude towards food is so healthy. It's not this good, bad, you know, oh, I was bad today, you know, and I, I actually want to dive into that in a whole other episode is relationship with food. But it's really interesting because
1: yeah. the range of diets across these different yeah. blue zones, these different areas of the world are vastly different. Yeah. And some, There's we no look, magic some you look at and say, wow, that's, <laughs> that's ridiculously unhealthy. Right. But then they have these massively high con- concentrations of people over hundred years yeah. old. So it's obviously not just your diet, the activity level yeah not just working out, being active throughout the day, getting stepping away from your computer or away from whatever you do if you mm-hmm. have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, standing then sitting and just being generally active as opposed to you know, being an active sedentary where I work out every day and I might be strong and I might be running decent times, but then I sit for nine straight hours. That's uh, yeah, clearly not a good goal.
0: One of the great things about, all the technology we have now is there are so many gadgets and so many watches or so many fitness trackers that can help us be alerted to, hey, you need to stand or hey, get up and move because you've burned like two calories because you haven't done anything today. What have you been doing? Like sleeping in bed? You know, it's like kind of, it's a little bit like pokes at you, like, hey, get, get going. And I love that because for me, it helps motivate me to make sure I'm moving. And because being at home, sometimes I can not take nearly as many steps as I think I do, you know? So, anyways, today though, I thought, babe, we could talk, continue talking about Tuscany and houses, what makes a home and Sundays, those three topics. So I'm really excited about this. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, let's examine the concept of houses first. And I mean, the logistics of how a house is built and designed here versus there. It's just so interesting to consider different ways of even how you build your house and what's important to you and what rooms are bigger or smaller. So our values as a culture, can actually be reflected in our home design. Isn't that true? Like it's, it's easy to become obsessed with bigger and uh, bigger size and like design and the neighborhood you're in and status and everything. And I find it really interesting that there's this tiny home movement, right? And so I think it stems from the desire that people are slowly having again of like, I want to connect with nature more. I don't have to have all this stuff. I'd like to be less burdened by all my stuff and that whole concept of minimalism. I want to get back to a simpler life. I was reading a blogger's thoughts on smaller living and he said, The tiny life provides huge financial advantages and the ability to have a lifestyle filled with adventure. For most Americans, a third to a half of their income is dedicated to the roof over their heads. That means many people will spend a lot of time figuring out how to afford their homes. Buying a house often translates to at least 15 years of working over your lifetime to pay for it. And then they go on to say, many Americans, like they claim 76% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, which is kind of a sobering thought, but he, he finishes by saying, we work hard to afford bigger houses than we need. We continue to work so we can fill our homes with more stuff, items we may not need but buy anyway. (laughs) Many Americans are overwhelmed by their packed schedules and obligations. They're tired of running the rat race. So I'll link that article in the show notes, just why people are drawn to the tiny house movement. Do you have any thoughts on that? And I'm not trying to elevate that concept. I'm just saying it's interesting to think about why that's happening here right now.
1: I love the concept of it. I think some people try and use it as a shortcut to think of, oh, I'm just going to get a tiny house and right. park it on my friend's driveway right. and save a boatload of money. Um, and that may be pressured more by huge amounts of student loans and consumer For debt. sure, yeah. People frustrated with um, generally kind of where they're at in society. Mm-hmm. But you know that aside, there's something really nice about having a very well-situated, nice little place, easy to clean, yeah. easy to deal with. Having ownership of your possessions as opposed to them having ownership of you mm-hmm. is a huge deal. I mean, with that said, I'm a huge fan of a larger house too, right? And having the space to do what you want. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to go build a dream home, it's going to be a little bigger than smaller. But the, you know, the idea of, of smaller and simpler and not simpler. spending our entire mm-hmm. life um, there's some strong financial wizards out there that recommend no more than 25% of your salary. And the yeah, most conservative going your house. on going to your housing, and the most conservative say no more than 25% of your take-home salary, Ooh, Yeah, which um, that's tough to do. I mean, you almost end up living in what you feel is like a shack compared to your, your peers at the same income level if you did that. yeah, That is the best way to build wealth. But, you know, you get above 25 a gross, you start getting 33 or 40%, and you're going to find yourself house poor, and it's going to be difficult later on. Mm-hmm. So in that, then you're a slave to your job because you have to pay that big mortgage, that big rent, or, you know, so it, it can uh, definitely cause a lot of financial strain starting on a house that you may not need, right, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and I've also heard it said that the average American home is about 2,600 square feet. Right now, I Mm -hmm. think that sounds about right. That's close, Whereas in Tuscany, our inspiration right now, like for this episode, the homes are solid and simple and smaller than ours. And I'll just read a quote from chapter 12 of this book. Um, He says, The Tuscan house, much like everything around it, makes sense in every detail. The rooms are small. There are no frills, no extras, because creating them and maintaining them would take time away from more important things, which I thought was just a beautiful concept. Yeah.
1: And some of that too. I mean, if you don't have your own bedroom with your own TV, when you're, you know, nine years old, you may be forced to go spend time in the family room, spend time with grandma and grandpa if they're over at the house all the time, or better yet, if you live in an area where there's okay weather, spend time outside and you can live life indoors and outdoors, which is just a healthier option overall. So yeah, it can, it can, having that smaller home can actually force you to live healthier. And I think your tendency to be happier might skyrocket having that smaller house and not having the options that we give ourselves. Some of it's fundamental when you build with stone versus wood, the well, option yeah. to build larger. And those older houses, you know, they just simply, it was a different world in, in building. But in that, you know, we, we can hide alone in our mansions, um, relatively speaking.
0: Yeah, well, I was reading, um, actually a listener sent me an article about the, one of the greatest health epidemics right now is loneliness. In, in our country. And so it's it's becoming a real a real problem. But this concept of how we think about houses, how we build our houses is actually really, really relevant to that, to, to how we're doing health-wise too. It can make a huge impact on our emotional health and mental health. So I just wanted to read a little description from The Wisdom of Tuscany about a Tuscan kitchen. So just enjoy this with me. He says the kitchen is and always has been the center of Tuscan life. And he describes this one particular family's kitchen. So he says an enormous fireplace covers one wall. So you're picturing that (laughs) it's great brick hood is supported by stone columns with huge lintel in between and below the hood on a raised hearth inside the fireplace really are two low benches where you sit on winter nights. In a corner of the kitchen is an ancient marble sink. Next to it, a wood stove for heat and roasting meats, and a gas stove, and beside that, a tiny fridge. There is no use for a big one. For Tuscans, eat whatever they can, fresh. In a far corner is a couch, and in the middle, two tables, one with a marble top, ideal for kneading and rolling dough, the other covered with oilcloth where the family eats. For the big Sunday lunch with company, the tables are joined as one. Can you just picture that, and how just a different feel that would give your home, and the, if the kitchen's designed like that? I don't know. That just really struck me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a different design than we typically go with. But if you were um, fortunate enough to live in an open concept home and your kitchen extends to the living room, you get a little bit of that benefit right mm-hmm. there. If, if you have a galley kitchen, it's a little little more difficult, and you're going to have to work harder to bring that kitchen out. Maybe set you know set a spread. And then enjoy it as a group. So maybe a little more work for you. We have a galley kitchen at our our house personally. You know, it's definitely a beautiful picture when you have that centered around that. And it's not centered around TV or or individual spaces where there's no conversation.
0: Yeah, there was a history professor at Harvard who is quoted in this book, The Wisdom of Tuscany. And he's talking about this big house represents the american family each person having their own television their own bathroom and then he said some houses are even designed with three playrooms for two children (laughs) you know he's kind of exaggerating but this way the the family members rarely have to interact and the notion of compromise is simply out so i definitely see that in our culture our propensity towards bigger equals better and more personalized individualized everyone has their own space but as you mentioned There, there can be some downsides to that. Now, what are your thoughts on the experiences you've had in smaller homes and smaller apartments in Europe um, versus here?
1: I mean, when I've in houses I've lived in personally or stayed in for extended periods of time, Mm -hmm. size doesn't typically matter more than the awe factor and the wow factor. Yeah stately majestic huge houses there's a pretty cool wow factor to that But as far as living in it you know if you have a functional home that that has what you need and a lot of times if you're traveling you're just looking for that function i need this i need that and be nice if i had a place to do laundry yeah so simple simple needs whereas you know over here you might be hosting you might be you know leading a small group of, of moms at your house or you might have family that comes over on sundays which if you're able to do that that's great um that's more rare or you know maybe your children bring friends home all the time. And that's a wonderful opportunity that you have to yeah. bless, bless other people that might not have their parents around in the afternoon or may not have as safe of home as you're able to offer. So, you know, it's different opportunities. For and sure. having more gives you the ability to be generous with more. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, a smaller, well-situated place, and a lot of the European things, they've had lots of time to think about what's well-situated, what's not. And the houses, tending to last hundreds and hundreds of years, are often planned out with what I would say is more care, whereas we'll put together something that we think, oh, this design looks really nice, and then we get into it in a few years, and it's like, yeah, it's not really loving this. And we end up saying, well, there's no perfect home, but, you know.
0: Yeah, two years ago, I remember... um how delightful it was. We woke up in this small apartment in our first night in France and we had coffee and a croissant on this little tiny but very adequate balcony. And I just remember thinking, you know, this day-to-day, it might start to feel a little crowded, but it was, it worked. And the balcony happened to look over this little river and it was just so beautiful that you were like, well, I have this outdoor space too. So that's a cool thing about smaller homes. Sometimes if there's great outdoor space that you can utilize, that ends up really contributing to the quality of your life too. So I was thinking, too, of our first home together, babe, you and I, when we first got married, where we brought our oldest child home from the hospital. How many square feet did that have? I
1: think the the living space downstairs was probably 700. Then it had the loft space where our bedroom was is probably another four above that. So maybe yeah. 1,100 total.
0: Yeah. Yet the, yeah. The layout, though, it was so open and airy with beautiful wooden beams and a vaulted ceiling and a loft master bedroom that opened out and looked over the rest of the small home. I loved it. was a cabinet maker that built this house, so he had great storage. <laughs> it did. It was amazing. There was a garden out back. It was in an oak grove. It was in the country a few miles out of town. There was an open kitchen with a nice butcher block island. There were heated floors in the bathroom, and that is one of the best things ever. I mean, I don't think I've ever loved a bathroom more than that bathroom in all the houses we've lived in since then, but it was easy to clean. Our little piano fit nicely under the stairs. Anyways, did you love that home as much as I did? I think we both loved it.
1: That was a great place to live friend of mine calls it that's a nice nice slice of life
0: yeah yeah and I was thinking too about my homes most of my homes growing up they were probably 1400 to 1600 square feet and I never thought to myself as a kid "Sheesh, like when are we upgrading I'm feeling so cramped right I mean is, was that your experience growing up as a kid too just in general with the size of your guys's houses over the years
1: I mean there was times when, when my parents they bought property and we lived in a very small trailer yeah and as a young child I had no idea that it was small 60 foot single wide with four kids apparently is too little <laughs> but I, I had no idea yeah and then we moved into the house um, and because we lived in that single wide didn't have furniture so we lived in half the house basically <laughs> the other half was empty yeah and it seemed like you know, this huge awesome play place but the only difference was there's more room to run yeah I don't remember being any more or less happy in either I'm sure yeah. my my mom may have different opinions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, as a young person, I certainly was content because I can go outside and run around and do whatever I wanted all day long. And
0: yeah, well, and this segues beautifully into our next topic of discussion when it comes to Tuscan life is what makes a home. So there's the house, but what makes a home. I think it's exactly what you're just saying. It's the people. It's the connection, the love and laughter shared around the table, the time spent in each other's presence the tears, the frustration, the challenges, and the victories. What makes an inviting and loving home atmosphere is not the perfectly styled living room and seasonal on-trend throw pillows, as much as I adore a good throw pillow. (laughs) Or on the flip side, I will say, and not to sound contradictory, but flowers and candles or oils or pretty touches around your home do communicate love. They aren't, they just aren't the essence of what makes your house a home does that make sense we live in the tension of these truths i think
1: i mean the home is more about how inviting you make it yeah than it is about the actual location yeah and again there's something fun about a stately mansion if we will yeah but uh you know a really nice welcoming 600 square foot or 300 square foot tiny home can be just as enjoyable Mm -hmm. and frankly i would rather be greeted by a loving person in a 300 foot home than I would by a mean person in a 5,000 square foot or (laughs) 10,000 square foot. More
0: stately home. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, interesting to reflect on the question like what do you miss most when you're away from home because that can tell you a lot about what you're really drawn to at your house you know what I mean like what is it about your house that makes it a home and it's not like when I think about that for our house it's not like the fall wreath on the door or a paint color or you know it's no it's the people it's you know you and the kids it's warm smells from the kitchen the comfort the security knowing you have a safe place and people who love you kind of like the concept of The church isn't the building, it's the people. So it's really nice to have clean, inviting rooms and yes, communicate love by how you decorate or do things in your home. But yeah, it's that, I think, attitude and savoring time together, being intentional about being together and feeling the warmth and love from each other. Let's move on to Sundays. That's the last kind of big topic we will tackle for today. How can we learn from Tuscan attitudes and and Tuscan life on this subject Um, One of my main passions, and I know yours too, you inspired me with this a lot, but in even starting this podcast was to encourage all of us, including myself, to get back to a real Sabbath practice, to take Sunday and make it much more sacred, to not cram it full to the brim of activity and rushing and consuming or working or stressing. Clearly in the name of this show, even I'm advocating that we have a Sunday afternoon spirit and habit of resting more deeply honoring god with our quiet and ceasing from extra strain and activities so that we can begin the next week refreshed and recharged so what have you noticed about especially in your time in europe just the attitudes towards sunday now not even it's, a lot of times it's not even really linked to anything religious at this point but it's it's this honoring of the day still, even though the person closing their shop might not be a person who believes in God. You know what I mean? So what have you noticed like in your time in Germany, especially?
1: Well, in Germany, I mean, I think Tuscany is not terribly far from this. Rural Germany, I will uh-huh. speak for. This is not Berlin. This is not Munich. A lot of the stores will close at 1230 in the afternoon. Mm. And this would include a local gas station. This would include the pharmacy, yeah. uh, the grocery store.
0: On a weekday or Sundays, exactly. On a Saturday. Oh, Saturday. Yeah. Close at
1: 1230. Whew. And they won't reopen. They're closed until Monday morning.
0: Oh, that's amazing. The
1: restaurants are still open. Um, if you need gas, all of the rest stops along the Audubon are yeah. still open. So you can travel. It's right. not like they expect you just to stay completely idle. Yeah. But when that's your culture and that's how it's been forever and how it, at least at this point, how they think it'll always be, then you just get used to it. I'm going to go get my shopping done. And I've mm. got bit by it a few times. Not, not picking something up, and it's like, oh shoot, I had to get go to the pharmacy, and I didn't. Yeah, I think on one trip so, we did have go to, on go to the
0: pharmacy, and we couldn't or something. Yeah, <laughs> and then
1: they actually can't oh. remember what happened. We didn't end up going, and we yeah. didn't get to pick up the the thing we really wanted in time. <laughs> and then we were out of town, and yeah. it was it was a pharmacy that I can't remember what they had it was something special. Yeah, but didn't get it. Yep, but getting to it. It, it forces things like in your um, episode about French charm with Nadia yeah. the other day. She talked about, you know, when we went out on someone's birthday or something, yeah. some sort of dinner that maybe it was her mother's. There was a four plus hours at the restaurant. Yeah. And that's very conducive to everything else is closed but the restaurant. Yeah. We're, we're going to hang out at home or we're going to hang out at the restaurant. And it, it encourages that. Yeah. Um, in small town Germany, I remember almost every Sunday, one of my neighbors in this little village would be the the right term for what we lived in, would go for walks. And the neighbors were in their mid-70s, mm-hmm. and they'd walk with their grown son and daughter-in-law, and their teenage grandkids would often go with them, not always. And it, the charm in that, some of the inspiration of why, why you and I mm-hmm. are here talking mm-hmm. on this podcast today, slowing down and being family-oriented and these weren't perfect people. It wasn't based on religion for them. Uh, much of Germany's historically religious, but not actively. Um, it's based on culture. Yeah. Um, but it's a culture we can adopt. That's yeah. one of those things where it's not better to do that. It's not worse to do that. It's different. But if you look at it, you think maybe I adopt that and I could actually improve my life. Which then you could say, well, isn't that better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's not better in such a sense. I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. In the wisdom of Tuscany, he dedicates an entire chapter to Sundays, and he begins boldly by stating, Not long ago, we had a sensible society that resembled that of Tuscany in a most important aspect. We thrived on each other's company, but we have changed in a generation to a people thrilled to the point of being mesmerized by objects. So, again, just Sunday afternoon, Mama, the whole thing that we are, are aiming at is just adopting more of that attitude of, of respect and a reverence, like treating that day, the Sunday, as a, as a special day and a different day from the rest of the week and doing things that help pace yourself throughout the week so that by the time you get to your next week and your next week that you're not just running on empties. You've had time to refill your tank, so to speak.
1: If you have a great Sunday, you're far more likely to have a great week. Yeah. I mean, that's just fact of how it is. Mm-hmm. And if you are living happily in um, great communion with family and friends, you're going to live to be older. Yeah. So if you're going to have better weeks, you're going to live to be older. You're likely also happier. You know, these are things that, you know, hopefully we can take them away and say, maybe not everything we do is creating the pinnacle of happiness (laughs) for us. Yes. Um, Maybe we're slaves to debt or maybe we're not, you know, no one's ever going to be perfect. But Mm. some of these tips are to better, hopefully help people better their lives. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, I think we just have to remember we don't have to surrender to the mindset that's kind of all around us about anything. So if a lot of people view Sundays as the day to cram more things in before the next week, we don't have to necessarily go along with that. There's mm-hmm. other ways to think about our Sundays. Yep. Um, or
1: it doesn't – I mean, is it's nice if you can do it on a Sunday mm-hmm. because that's more – it has some cultural history to yeah. it. But since our world's 24-7 um, in the, the entire United States, it, if you're working on that Sunday – I know there's a time where I did – my Sunday was basically a Saturday.
0: Yeah. We had to flip flop. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, in those times where you just, yep. if this is my relaxed day, cause Sunday I'm going to, you know, hit it hard and I work from one until 10 PM and I, that's how it is. Um, or, you know, phone calls uh, to China in that one era of life, I remember Sunday, that, yeah. Sunday evenings, Yeah. you know, and then prep work for that. So you just, you know, carve some time because you carve that time out.
0: You will have a better week. Yeah, for sure. Like I remember even a few weeks ago, we, we, our entire family (laughs) took this two hour nap. Like uh, we all just spread out and everyone was just exhausted and we slept and it was so refreshing. And I have to work so hard at this because if I don't make myself and a lot of times you're like, come on, just sit down for a minute, put your feet up or whatever. It's so helpful because a lot of times I get focused on the errand or the task or the activity and I don't pace myself. So I am am learning this with you. (laughs) Um, I thought we could throw out some ideas for a November challenge and I'll put this on the website, but just ideas around what you can do on your Sunday. And like Jonathan said, if you have a unique schedule where you are just obligated to work and that's your shift, that's fine. And you can scoot this to a different day that works for you to have your Sabbath. But here are some ideas for what you could do on a Sunday play a board game take a nap read a newspaper go on a coffee date knit read a great book paint or draw do a crossword puzzle sit on your front porch go to church have someone over for tea take a bath bake something swing on a hammock and go to bed an hour earlier so I don't know do you love those
1: Yeah, I mean, I I really do.
0: So here are some more tips and a takeaway for you when it comes to incorporating these ideas and concepts into our lives. The first one is to write down your goals for your home and home life for the coming months. Now, keep it short and simple. You don't have to go crazy or you'll overwhelm yourself and your poor family. I've done that as well where I have too many goals and they're all a little bit unattainable and it just ends up frustrating me. So with your home, the tactical, like your actual house – If there's anything else you want to kind of simplify your life or finish the vision you have for the type of house you want, do whatever, you know, take whatever steps you can to do that. Like buy a faux fur blanket, like Hannah says, (laughs) I'm kidding, but whatever you need to do to kind of add more coziness or more, you know, whatever it is to make it more inviting, finish your vision, and just go for it. And then home life, like what happens in your home. Just reflect with me about what is the atmosphere like when your kids come home from school or when everyone's there together, is it pleasant or is it stressful? You know, what kind of mood are you striving for? And whenever I take a step back and do this, it's very humbling because you you can clearly see the spots that you need improvement. So, and the next one is to reflect on what you love about your current home and then think of ways to make sure that your values are reflected in the actual house and routines each week. So, and what I mean by that is a really inviting layout You know, when people walk in, they can come sit down and they can get a cup of coffee or tea and be with, you know, like it's just has a nice flow and you feel like you're not, it's not too cluttered and, you know, people can't come in and feel welcome. That's, that's the kind of thing I was thinking of. And the last one is to treat Sunday as a special and sacred day. So integrate some sort of Sabbath practice as part of your weekly rhythm, if you don't already, and pick some ideas from our November list to try. Well, we only have one little segment left for today. I'm sure we could just keep talking and talking about Tuscany and all of these things, but um, and that's my favorite things. And so, Jonathan, I thought you could just share maybe one or two current favorite things. I've got mine, but I may not share it. I'll just see what yours are. All right.
1: <laughs> so, one of my favorite things right now um, is I don't I don't spend a lot of time relaxing and reading magazines, but I get oh yeah. But I get one in particular that I love. And there's one online that uh doesn't actually have a print edition that I also love. And both have to do with um horses. One's, oh, yeah. one's Western horseman. It just has the most gorgeous pictures of ranch living, which we do we do not live on yeah. a ranch. <laughs> nope. Um it's we, a li- we lived in a cul-de-sac <laughs> at a very <laughs> a very cul-de-sac. small city lot. <laughs> um uh, I love the pictures that they have inside of these magazines. Um the online version is uh, Something called the, the Thoroughbred Daily News Weekend Edition, and it only comes out once a month. Ironically, but they have stunning photography. Oh yeah! And the September edition was all about European race race differences. The main one that they were talking about was the Palio mm. in Siena, which is quite a Tuscan land. And Siena Ooh, is a really so awesome, really neat town that was its own. They thought at least they thought they were their own little mini empire. But They have a horse race for better or worse, however, you feel about racing in their downtown um, piazza. Mm-hmm. And they fill it with people, I mean, just jam pack it full. And then the horses race a few times around the ring of the piazza. They bring in a bunch of clay, pack it in, and uh, it's the horse that finishes first with or without the rider. To, oh, wow, you know, it, it's <laughs> That's one <cool>. of those. <laughs> it's just a few minutes of insanity yeah. and it's contrata against contrata so they have each the city is divided into something in nature like 17 different sections wow and they are highly competitive so when we're talking about sunday afternoon doesn't mean that all these or the tuscans that they're laid back people. Right. they're very intense and if you watch videos about the, the palio you can it's some it's some pretty interesting watching and pretty crazy stuff um, for the looks, it looks like they're trying to be ethical with the horses and how they treat them, and it's it's an industry unto its own. So it's not it's not a, an evil empire, but they're going out and being crazy and getting super excited. I mean, they are rooting for their home contrada, and they and they add some religious of which i would say is almost superstitious mm, yeah um yeah. stuff to it about bless the horse and the rider and this and that
0: <laughs> isn't it hundreds of years old i thought i would oh yeah it up this, the other this day. goes back yeah. hundreds of years okay this mm-hmm. has been a while for a while yeah, yeah. And
1: they do it twice a year That's um amazing. because they can't fit all if it's if, i think it is 17 but if it is 17 they can't fit them all mm. 17 horses in the race at one time and then the winner gets pride this is not a money race mm-hmm. um, and there's a whole industry around this and there's not even any money in it i'm People all dressed up, wearing their team's colors. I mean, excited to the max, screaming, yelling, chaos, craziness, um, and a gorgeous photo spread of all this. And then the horses and the horses inside the little church things getting their little blessing, and just the whole culture built up around this and the years and years of, of history that go into this. And, you know, Tuscany's a changing world. Like our world's a changing Mm -hmm. world. Um, Some of what we're talking about, the laid-back and relaxed, can be a thing of the past for them as well, because as society picks up pace and as
0: technology technology Mm -hmm. occurs,
1: it could be you know the the gondoliers in Venice when we were there last time. They were on their phones phones constantly, and every (laughs) other one of them had the Apple AirPods. Yeah, and they were listening to music (laughs) as they drove people around for the you know 100 euro rides or 80 euros or whatever they charge. Yeah. Um, so I mean, technology's taken the world by storm.
0: Yes, for sure. Uh,
1: and it's it's more difficult for families to stay and have the multi generational feel that it was kind of this old school thing that um, the wisdom of Tuscany and blue zones yeah. tend to point towards, regardless of where the world is going. Taking a pause and stepping back. Uh, This is supposed to be my favorite thing section. So (laughs) this is all about the magazine article. Um, Inspired all these Oh, just gorgeous thing. I actually wrote the editor of the magazine. I wrote to the magazine and the the lead editor wrote me back um, because I was very complimentary of the pictures because I was just taken by them. And she's like, thank you so much for your kind words. I'm sorry it's not in print. I'm like, oh, (laughs) bummer. Just gorgeous pictures and horses are a majestic animal. Um, And they do well pose well for pictures and mm-hmm. race horses tend to eat up the media sometimes mm-hmm. especially in that type of world but you know you have the stone backgrounds and you have all the the brown buildings but then you have all the bright colors that are around the races cuz the contratas are all wearing waving their flags and wearing the colors and they're all you know, the people are painted or i mean it's fanat- fanaticism fandom i mean crazy borderline hooliganism i tend to think i don't know how they don't break out into fights but that stuff doesn't make the the photo spread at
0: least. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads me to my favorite thing right mm-hmm. now is watching our um middle daughter play soccer there's just so much joy now there's not that crazy hooliganism yeah. and fights well you know when I, <laughs> I, don't know, I thought sport um there's so much joy and excitement and she has so much fun with her soccer buddies i mean i remember um this one little boy that she's really good friends with after they did this little move and practice the first one of the first few practices they like turned and looked at each other like really dramatically and then they high-fived and it was just so sweet and we have I swear, we have a secret weapon on our team. There was a girl. She didn't come to the first few practices for some reason, and then she shows up to our first game, and it was like, choom, choom, choom. Like, she was just dribbling down the field i mean this is kindergarten and first grade combined and she's just zipping down the field and then she's scoring scoring so and we're like yeah like who is this girl she's awesome (laughs) and we're all cheering and i just i love it and now she's everyone knows her name and you know it's like it's so much fun it reminded me of the movie kicking and screaming when they're like get it to the italians because they have those two boys the brothers that come play and it's just classic but yeah and then our little daughter has bright pink soccer cleats and bright pink shin guards
1: and bright pink socks
0: and socks
1: (laughs) they go above her knee and bright pink shorts
0: it's amazing
1: with her blue jersey
0: with the blue jersey So it has been a blast and I am really grateful that she has so many good little friends on this team. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Sunday Afternoon Mama. Thanks again for doing this with me, babe. Um, I appreciate it.
1: As always, thanks again for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Be sure to tune in next week and please, if you enjoy this podcast, tell a friend or family members so they can check it out too. Good old fashioned word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread the news. And you can also screenshot when you're listening to this episode and share it on your social media. Come visit SundayAfternoonMama.com and follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'll be back with you next week. In the meantime, I'm seeking joy and peace with you so that we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends.